The Rangers wrapped up their 10 games in 18 days stretch with a loss against the Ottawa Senators, but they went 7-3 and three during that stretch, so all is still well. They're still in first place throughout the entire league, and they still are a very, very, very good hockey team. On the episode today, we're going to discuss the entire stretch that they just went through, including why they are such a resilient team, especially when they go down early. We're joined by Brian Boyle, Larry Brooks, and Molly Walker, and we'll be discussing some of your questions. Yeah, you're going to want to stay tuned for this because there might be a possible reunion in the Rangers' future. All that and much more coming up on this episode of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post, and it starts right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. Welcome back to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Hartz. The Rangers are still in first place despite a loss last night, but don't worry, everything is fine. Seven and three in their last ten over this rough road stretch. Road games, it's, we're all a mess here. Molly's joining us from Ottawa still. Hey, Molly, how are we doing? Good to see you. Brian's in New Jersey, somewhere in the swamps of Jersey, as Bruce Springsteen once sang. Uh, we're all here just discussing the first place Rangers, you know, still first in the Metro, first in the East, first in the league. Okay, you know, we got a couple teams tied up there now, but it's still OK. Everything is easy peasy. It's fine. The stretch of games is over. We got a few days off before they come back. And, um, you know, we got to go to Washington, got to go home and face the Kings and Leafs. But let's do some recap in here, folks. Seven and three in that last stretch, like I mentioned, but they took a loss last night in Ottawa, six to two. Um, looked a little lethargic. They looked like they're just a little tired. And I mean, that's to be expected. They, they've, they've been playing a ton of games back and forth, um, some hard fought games. Uh, Brian, let me go to you first here. What did you see last night in Ottawa? You know, uh, goaltending a little slow, guys little played on the heels a little bit. Um, it was just one of those games where just playing a lot of games, finally catching up to this Ranger team. Yeah, I think, well, it's it's interesting with how they're playing this year in terms of the structure and how much success it's given them. And then playing highly talented teams that lack that structure, it seems like it's causing them problems. And that doesn't really worry me if I'm a Rangers fan as much. Now, you want to beat the teams that are below you, but right now everybody's below them, so you can't win every game. I've been I've been through that a little bit. When you really are working at your structure and making sure, like, you're playing against the team that should be in the right spots and they're kind of not. They kind of go rogue a little bit. I think that is sort of a problem for them right now. They, it's hard. They're still trying to, you know, 
perfect this sort of system. Going to Ottawa sometimes is you got to manufacture your own energy, right? It's not, you're not getting jacked up uh, to play Ottawa, who's not necessarily a powerhouse right now. They, they, everyone expects them to be better. They still have good players, but you go in there and if you're not, you know, clicking on all cylinders, so to speak, where you're mentally engaged, you're physically engaged, and your structure's on point, it's really hard to win against anybody. And I think that's, you know, I, I did see some things that I liked, but yeah, they get a couple deflection goals, a, a weird, like almost a broken stick bounce from the point that went, you know, right on the tape uh, for another goal against. It's just, you chalk it up and just say, and move on. Yeah, I think that the... Biggest concern for me coming out of the last few games is the odd man rushes against, which is something that they've all talked about. They've all acknowledged as an area that they need to get better. But obviously they've let in a few more goals than they probably would have liked in the last few games. But, I mean, like Brian said, I mean, I think Forsberg played an unbelievable game. Brady Kachuk is so good. Um, I think it was just a, a very on night for Ottawa. And, and a bit of an off night for the Rangers all around. <laughs> but like Jacob Truba said, which I had to double check to make sure that he actually said it. He was like, nobody's dog's dad. I was like, he's like, we just lost the game. Nobody's dog's dad. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Just just making sure that's what you said. That, that honestly feels like a perfect way of putting it. Because, I mean, look, a lot of Ranger fans are are enjoying this, this high, enjoying the season. I feel like expectations have been beyond met from where we kind of started the year, especially coming off of the disappointing uh, series with the Devils to end the season last year. But yeah, no big dog died. But um, the thing that that does kind of concern me a little bit, if there is some sort of concern that I can throw out there, um, is the lack of defense-ish, the little slow goal-tending play. Um, I believe the last four or last three or four games, I think they've given up at least four to five goals, um, which you really didn't see much early on. And, and you kind of gotten spoiled by the way quickies play, by the way, Igor started the season. Um, again, do, do we just think that this is them, you know, needing a break, needing just to, to take it easy a little bit? Or um, is it something that, you know, Lobs and the coaching staff have to work with in terms of their defensive skills back there? I think it's just the, the how, how, how are you giving teams their chances? If it's for free, if it's forcing a pass, if it's forcing a play, it's easily correctable. I think that's by and large what they have to understand. And look, you take a game like this and you learn from it. Like this is a highly skilled team we're playing against who's, you know, a crap team. They're they're down the bottom and for a reason. They're kind of riverboat gamblers. So it's either they're going to get their chances and they're going to work and score and they're going to win or like in most cases it's it's not going to quite work because they they play a risky game. And when you're playing against that, that's a great opportunity to learn. Say if you're in a playoff series and you're up a couple goals in the game, teams start risking it with high, high talent. All right, we know what happens when they do this. Let's be patient. Let's stay back. It's just a learning lesson. It's another dress rehearsal. There's 82 dress rehearsals before the playoffs. Mm. And that's you learn a little bit about your team, win or loss, every single game. And that's how they have to approach you know, the film after this game and on to the next one. That's a good line, Brian. I, I might steal that from you and write it. I stole it from Matt Carl. Okay, maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll give him credit then. Um, but yeah, every time that we've mentioned certain areas that came up in the game, especially after uh, the Senators game last night, defensive structure, odd man rushes, even in prior games, Laviolette consistently says, these are all teachable things, fixable things. 
Um, so I agree with Brian's point. I think that, you know, the coaching staff is identifying what needs to be tightened up and it's all fixable things, not any sort of lingering trait or anything like that, which is good. Yeah, They don't have to go and get three new defensemen and two new, no. like it's, we've seen it uh, work. So that's a good, I mean, that's a good thing. It's there. You have the personnel to do it. Uh, it's just hard to do every single night for a full game. And it's a good thing that they've built up this lead and this, um, you know, they're they're well success early on this year where we can kind of make those mistakes early on and do a little correction there. Um, they, they bounce back after every loss. They have. They still so, have still haven't yeah. lost back to back games, you know, no, knock on wood, you know, which is in, which is impressive, which I forget which Twitter account I follow one or X, whatever. Uh, no, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. One of the Twitter <laughs> Ranger fan accounts I, I, I follow. And it was, it was something like this Ranger team goes down to nothing in a game to start just because they want to feel something. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I lo- if that's the mentality, hell yeah, do it. I mean, because Brian it, is it, like, I am <laughs> surrounded by idiots. <laughs> No, but 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 if anything, it it, it makes me as, as as a fan watching the game. It goes because a, a two nothing lead, you know, early on, it can it can put you down, man. It can it can really knock you out. But with this Ranger team, and mind you, it's only been a few months so far, but it doesn't feel like they're ever out of it. Even last night, you know, you're down two nothing and you come back, and then you know you go down again three one, and then you come back three two. It just feels like that's that's a good identity for a team that you want to see early on because it never takes the fans out of it. it, it it never takes at least the players out of it. I'd imagine too, right, Brian? Where if, if you guys know you, you can continually come back, you never want to put yourself, you know, down in a hole like that. But if you have that mentality that you can c- keep coming back, that has to be a good thing, right? Yeah, that's just a belief within the group. And usually the first intermission, say if you're down, you understand you can turn it on or you believe. And a lot of a lot of what separates teams in the league are, aren't the players, aren't is not the talent level. It's... Uh, certainly the structure and, and how they're deployed, but definitely the belief in the room and the confidence factor, which can be a fleeting thing. But right now it looks like if they take a half a step back, they really pull it back in and work together to come back with a great performance. They just have so much talent. And I think they're all slotted where they're supposed to be. So it's, it's uh, you know, they should be. I mean, Rangers fans should be happy. After the first period in the Nashville game too, LaViolette apparently, quote unquote, gave them the business. Yeah. And really snapped them out of it. I was, I what as soon as I was writing about that, I was thinking, oh, I want to ask Brian if he's ever been in the room for one of those give the business talks, yeah. and I'd like to hear about oh, that. Man. <laughs> what is the business, Brian? Yeah. Me. I played a long time. It was, uh, it was, it happened a lot to the team <laughs> and to me individually. <laughs> you know what's funny is, um, so Torts would get really on edge for him <laughs> in in Tampa when we go down to Tampa. And I wonder if a little bit has to do with the fact that Lavi spent a long time in Nashville playing or playing against the team you coached. That's a big night for the head coach. And you realize that fairly quickly. I did anyway, when we went down to Tampa with torts and he was obviously very emotional and always, but when we got down there, it was another level of that where you're looking behind you sometimes on the bench, like what is going on with this guy right now? (laughs) He wanted to win so bad. And that's, so the margin for error as players is now shrunk in those games and he is dialed in. So you better be ready. And then when he gives it to you, you're like, okay, all right, time to get it going, boys. LaViolette has delivered the business and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's worked. Put it that way. I, I feel like there's times where we hear about closed door meetings and especially in other sports too, where closed door meetings happen and then there's no response. So at least when it has happened with the Rangers, you know, they'll come back and give it to you. 
Uh, we've got Larry Brooks joining us in a few minutes, but we do have some uh, Post Sports Plus uh, subtext questions. So um, be sure to subscribe to Post Sports Plus if you want to get in on the next round and you get all the exclusive scoops from Molly, which is good stuff, including an, an article about why um, you know, the Rangers haven't dipped into their prospect pool yet, which it's tempting, but you got to sign up to read that article. Uh, let's start with, uh, let's start at the top here, Mal. From Marvin A. Azrak, what's been your favorite city to visit so far this season? Let's go with you, Molly, and then Brian, I'm curious to hear about your favorite to visit when you were a player. I've answered this a couple times. I, I always like to give my top three. I would say Montreal, Vancouver, and Tampa are my favorites. I spent a lot of time in Tampa over the last four years or so, so I think I'm a little biased because of that. But, I mean, who, who wouldn't like going to Florida for an extended period of time? Especially during the winter, yeah. Same. Really? All yeah, three. they were the best. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. When we I'm honored. <laughs> well, it, it, Tampa was great cuz the weather was nice and there was kind of stuff to do around and then I played there and I loved it, but uh, Fort Lauderdale was great, but you realize you can't sit out in the sun at the beach. Torch would be on his balcony looking at us, yelling at us. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nashville was a time if you had a couple days. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, the warm weather places were great. Arizona was always was always fun. We'd stay out in Scottsdale at the golf resort. Mm. Um, they, you know, it was, but Van is awesome. Montreal is awesome. Ugh. Any time of year. Yeah. Um, Bell Center, I feel like, is the best place in the NHL. That's yeah. Just because it, it doesn't matter what state of the team is in, whether they're good or bad, yeah, end of the there. season, beginning of the season, they show up in numbers. They're loud. It's fun. It's just very, you know, I don't know. I always feel like I'm walking through history when I walk through that. <laughs> it really is awesome. It's uh, it's fantastic to see. I've been up there once when I was out injured, walked around like the top upper, whatever, up, way up in the press box area and just looking down and seeing all these people coming. And Montreal was not good. And the people were there and the kids were there loving, loving watching their Habs. It really is cool to go in there. And then I played a couple of playoff series there too, which is just out of control. And Van was when Luongo was there mm-hmm. and Kessler was there and the Sedins were there. That that place was crazy too. It was really, uh, really an awesome experience. You know, all those rinks in Canada, when you get on the ice and play are top notch. Calgary was, it's a funky building and they you get scored on the flames, go off and burn your eyebrows off. But in terms of going somewhere, if you have some time, maybe a day and a half, or two days, yeah, the warm weather's nice in the middle of the winter. Your skin gets so dry all year long. You're putting your gear on, you shower four times a day. So you get out there, you throw the lotion on, some vitamin D. It's nice. As long as you charge. As long as John Tortorella isn't yelling at you from the balcony. Yeah, that, that sounds sounds lovely. Yeah, you'll take the verbal beating sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to this one here. This is from uh, Don Benson and Larry Weiss. What are the chances that Brzezinski can stick with Mika Kreitz? He seems so much better suited to play with them uh, versus, I guess, Wheeler or Kako, especially at his pace of play. Uh, we'll go with you, Brian, first in this one. Okay, so if it's working like it is, and Johnny Brzezinski's a fast, tenacious player, mm-hmm. you look at like a poor man, Zach Hyman, who's a fast, tenacious player. And there were years in Toronto where there wouldn't people wouldn't understand why they wouldn't load up Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. This is three, four, five years ago. 
and it was because we could make two lines because this guy goes in, does the dirty work, gets them the puck back, doesn't care about goals for himself, is just going to play the game. And what you might have given up in terms of playmaking and high, high-end hockey offense, you, you've spread it out to two lines. You've given these guys an opportunity to have the puck and create because this this workhorse is going to get the puck for you. And I, just, I think it's a great compliment. So it's it's a guy who's you know bounced around and hasn't really got the deal he wanted in the offseason, has been effective as a player. So you give him a little bit more leash, see what he does with it. If he if he makes you look like a genius, you get a bargain on your first line. Yeah, I think it depends on a lot of different things, but I do think that listening to the way Brodzinski talked about the fact that he feels like this is the first time an NHL coaching staff has actually trusted him and give and put him in a position to succeed. Um, I imagine that just from my conversations with Johnny Brodzinski and knowing him as a player and as a person, I don't see him letting this opportunity pass him by. And it has arguably been probably the best fit out of the three candidates that the Rangers have had there. That being said, depending on how it goes, depending on when Capo Caco gets back, how they're feeling at that point in the season, if they want to give him another chance at the top line there, I do expect them to address it at the trade deadline. And I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jimmy Vesey up there at one point, depending on how mm. things go. But I do think that when you look at the lineup, VC make being in the bottom six in any capacity just makes them a much longer lineup because um, he brings so much skill down there and some secondary scoring. But I do think that it, that the ball is in Brodzinski's court. You know, I think Brodzinski could really do something with this opportunity. It's a big time opportunity for him. And I think he's just such a re- really easy guy to root for. He is. He is, and it's great to see, especially when it's someone succeeding yeah. on a top line like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do one more before we hop over to Larry here. And this one comes from Andrew in Queens. Hi, Andrew from Queens. <laughs> um, Brian, as a former Ranger, why do so many former Rangers always score on the Rangers? I mean, we had <laughs> Anthony Duclair. We had uh, Tarasenko. Tarasenko. Uh, you actually scored against us when you left us. Well, why? 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 <laughs> well, I remember what I said about torts. And Lavi, and you go to a different place, and you come back to that place that meant so much to you, right? That's I played against former teams a lot, but when I played against LA, when I played against the Rangers, it was something different. I was drafted by LA. I was with the organization for a while. I didn't play a ton of games, but I knew everybody in the organization. And as soon as I got to play them, I scored my first goal as a Ranger against LA. <laughs> And I had four goals that year. So they were probably like, of course, he scored against us. See? <laughs> um, I feel like that is a question that every fan base has. I used to do it when I was a Bruins fan because I would see these guys come back and it's like, why do we trade him? He always scores against us. <laughs> um, because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable playing against the Rangers, especially early on after the five years I played there. And then so when I would get a goal, I got a goal. I think it was in Florida. I might have had one. I might have had one with Tampa before that, but I don't even know. Like, played a lot of games before I think I I got one, and it was a great feeling. It really is. Uh, and it was in the guard, and to, it was to tie the game. And I had gotten a penalty after the second period, and the Rangers weren't very good at the time. So I, I just – I remember that goal, and I'll always remember that goal because it was against the Rangers in the guard. And those are big goals for any guy, but if you played there for a while, it means, it means a little bit more. So – like converse, what I said, uh, like the exact opposite of what I said about going into Ottawa against a team that's not very good in the standings and it's earlier in the year. You have to manufacture your emotions. Like you got to try to calm yourself down when you go into the garden and play against your former team. 
Yeah, Tarasenko scoring was, you could have took, taken that to the bank. <laughs> it was a snipe, though. It, oh, my God. It was. It was an it really was. bomb. It was gorgeous. It really was. It was on a tough angle, too. That's what that guy does. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I watched it all last season. Well, at least the second half of the season. It was so fun to watch. He, yeah. He's a really, it's a shame that it couldn't couldn't work out again. But, oh, well. That's a guy we, we kept hearing about. Oh, is Kane coming back? But Tarasenko was, was the sneaky one that, that I low-key wanted to come back. Well, we're going to welcome back here Larry Brooks after this break, and we're going to get to a couple more of your questions. So stay tuned for that right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Did you uh, pick up much of the culture there when you were down there? That country? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. I never listened to country music before I got there. Not, not one song ever in my life. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back on the podcast here. And of course, we're joined by the great Larry Brooks. Larry, always appreciate you coming on with us here to kind of recap where we've been in the podcast so far. We're talking about this, uh, you know, the seven and three stretch on these back to back games. I guess one of the things I'm curious about to, to get your take on is what have you learned from this team during this 10 game and 18 day stretch um, that you may not have known uh, before we got here? Well, it's, it's been an unusual schedule. I think that's that's first. I you know there it's not unfair, and the schedule will never be unfair to the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, Flyers. You know when you when you consider what Colorado does and Calgary does and Seattle does, you know these these teams never have cause for complaint. But it's been kind of an unusual schedule for the Rangers this year. There's been, it seems to me, more one-offs on the road. They, you know, they're on the road. They come back for a game, then they go right back again. Um, I, 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 I feel like they haven't really hit solid ground yet on the schedule. While they're obviously have have played very well, um, I, I just don't think they're. You know they they've settled yet, and I think maybe the next couple of days will give them an opportunity to settle. Uh, they're not going to Washington. You know they they play on Saturday, so they have a couple of days. Will they be able to work on on Thursday and Friday? And one thing that strikes me, and I'm not answering your question, <laughs> but one thing <laughs> that strikes me is how rarely teams practice these days, Brian. That and and. You, you you know you they do I know they do a lot of video work they do a lot of classroom work um, there are a lot of meetings um, on the road um, on off days but it, it just seems to me like I you know I, you know it is the the emphasis on practice 
versus, you know, recovery has shifted. And, and, you know, scientifically, maybe it's the right thing to do. But I think it's harder for teams to shore up weaknesses when they don't practice. Um, you know, what do you think, Brian? Well, I think it's hard to mimic game intensity. And we were talking about beforehand about manufacturing uh, some sort of emotions in certain games. And Ottawa was a great example of that, going up there against a team that's not very good in that building that's not very exciting and manufacturing it. Well, in practice, it's hard for a coach to use up all his you know, bullets in the chamber, so to speak, to motivate guys to practice a certain level of intensity where you really do get better and learn and, and find yourself in these situations. And coupled with the fact that the way guys train, they take a week off when the season ends and go back to it. Mm-hmm. That's And as I got older, it was a week, maybe it was three days, maybe whatever. You're, you're back in the gym just working out and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Guys start skating earlier. They skate harder earlier in the summer. And then they come to camp and it's three days and then you're in exhibition games. So the conditioning and all that stuff, now they need recovery. I guess it is the science with mental reps, but it's it's almost like working on the power play in practice. You do it all the time. And if you do it long enough, I guess coaches think maybe qual- uh, quantity over quality in that situation. Because if you watch closely on a power play in practice, the point man gets it, has a clear lane to shoot a one-timer and he takes a little bit off. Yeah, You know, it's never exactly sure. what it would be like in a game because you don't want anyone to get hurt. Right. You certainly don't want to get hurt in the gym and you don't want to get hurt in practice because the risk is too high in games. Coaching staff probably feels the same way. We'll give this off to them. They better come ready. And you can kind of keep your engine built up that way. You're not taking out money out of the bank, wasting it in practice. But I agree, good, hard reps, even if it's two or three over the course of a year with – you know, 20 more practices. That's a lot more reps to kind of know where you stand, to re recalibrate. And for the guys who aren't playing quite as much, maybe that's good, but that's what optionals are for. And that's what it becomes up to you as an individual to understand what you need to do to be ready. Well, it's it's interesting to me that obviously they're 18, five and one, but sometimes their practices are more impressive than their games. Oh my God. It's crazy. Their their practices are, are a sight to behold. You know, honestly, I was going to say good hard reps. That's all. Yeah, he gets them going do. early. Do they do yeah. that one around in the beginning, around the circle, and the passes, and then the pa- like? We used to do that. We all line up in the neutral zone on the blue lines. You know what? Yeah. We. You know what though? We when we are permitted to get into the rink, they're already they're already oh, yeah. they're already moving. They're past that. So yeah. I don't know what they do on their. Uh, you know <laughs> what, what their first drill is. I, I don't know how they open it because they don't. You know they don't open the rink and until they are. A minute or Going. two into it, or, yeah, they're into it. But I, you know, the one thing I, I'll, I'll, you know, what I learned about the team is that they're getting more. Their their depth players, um, I think, have performed better than maybe I would have expected. I think their their bottom six, in a lot of ways, have has been the most. Well, no, the second the the Panarin line has been their most consistent line, but the bottom six. You can count on them to contribute just about every night, um, and I and I think that was a concern, and certainly more of a concern after they lost Heedle and after now they've lost Kako. I think that's the most pleasant surprise to me is how their how their depth players have contributed, how Jonathan Quick, you know, has has not you know has 
more than held up his end of the bargain. He's he's unbeat, you know, he's eight oh and one, right? Or, yeah. or seven oh and one. Um um so I, I you know I, I think the supporting cast has been outstanding um through through these first uh, six, seven weeks of the season. Tony B. Tony B. We were talking about yeah. him earlier on. Hey, that's uh, Laffy though. I told you yeah. Laffy's gonna motivate guys yeah. to whatever your role is going to be, you're going to be excited to be a part of it. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. it's, it's showing it right now. It is. Yeah. And, and Larry, you actually wrote about that too, saying how, you know, you kind of think that that last healthy scratch right before um, the final preseason game, dangling the carrot in front of Laffey um, may have been the little extra motivational push that he needed. Cause I mean, essentially he's turned it on. He's, he's been the guy that you, you hoping you, the Rangers were getting. And now we're finally seeing uh, the fruits of, Whatever. Well, he's so much more. Listen, he is so much more engaged. He just is. I mean, you know, he's he's engaged on essentially on every shift. You see him. Whereas I know his numbers, and and, and there's been this discussion about his five on five numbers, which are very very good through his first three years. You know, certainly in comparison to the rest of the team. But he wasn't noticeable. You know, I mean, he would you'd ha- have a game where he'd score a couple. You'd say, "Wow, you know, he maybe would score another one," but he wasn't noticeable on shift after shift after shift. Now he's noticeable, shift after shift after shift. And does does part of that have um, something to do with playing with Panarin mm. and and Trocheck? Of course it does. But but good players play with good players. They bring out the best in the, in good players, right? I mean, that's that's why you have. You know, that's why you form lines. And and uh, so I, I think Lafreniere's engagement, his emotional investment yes. in the game stands out to me, you know, more than whatever his, his you know, his stats are. That's that's what stands out to me. He was yapping. He was yapping. He was running around even last night. Like that's that's what he did a couple of years ago in the playoffs when he was noticeable. Yeah. And that's that was that's a big thing for me. I said that earlier. So if he's engaged in. in is playing like a little bit of a jerk, a little, a little bit, you know, someone pissed in his cereal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's what I, that's what, I, what they need out of him. That's what he needs to do to be effective. Right. And, and, and it's interesting too, that they have on that, that line, Trocek plays the same way. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a very edgy player. And so they have two guys now who are, you know, who, who bring a little bit extra and they've got Panarin who is at essentially the top of his game. I had a uh, a very nice conversation with Alexi before the Ottawa game, and I've been going around the locker room talking to some of the guys that have uh, watched Alexi since he first came into the NHL. So look out for that. I think that's going to be a good one. Ooh, that's what we in the biz call a teaser right there, folks. <laughs> Stay tuned for that on the post site. Uh, Larry, we've got a couple subtext questions from our uh, Post Sports Plus uh, subscribers that we wanted to get your opinion on. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear from Brian Molly on these as well, too. Um, this one was saved specifically for you, Larry. Do you think a reunion with Vladimir Tarasenko is likely? That comes from Raphael Leibowitz and Paul Gifford. Is there a reunion in the... Do I think it's likely. No. I think this fixation with reunions, you know, let's bring Patrick, you know, Patrick Kane has to come back. Oh, you know, Tarasenko. I listen, Tyler Mott might be available. (laughs) Let's bring him back again. And uh, I, I don't know. Um, Listen, Tarasenko, I thought was a pretty good fit last year. I thought as we, as, as the team went down the stretch, they were, they were trying to figure out how to get the most out of, out of Kane. And so Kane started to get a lot more minutes and Tarasenko's minutes dropped. 
And I don't think it was a particularly happy end for Tarasenko. I, listen, he he loved the organization, and he wanted he he would have re-upped if if it had been possible. Um, but you know, his, his ending wasn't any happier really than than Kane's. And I just don't know that I, that that I want to go back to last spring. Honestly, I don't think there are very many good memories out of last year. And, you know, they had a, a, a pretty decent season, but I don't think they're, I think, you know, last year is something that left a bad taste in everybody's mouth the way it ended. It may have, you know, and, you know obviously it got a coach fired. Um, so Vlad Tarasenko is a, is a good player. Um, if he's there and the Rangers are looking for a right wing, you know, he can fit, you know, he can play with Zibanejad. But I, I'm, you know, my, my first instinct is is not to try and run it back from last spring. I, you know, I, I that's that's that doesn't excite me, honestly. Does that excite you, Bart, at all? He's <laughs> a good player. There was too many good players, almost or something. It just didn't it didn't sort itself out the way. I, I didn't get it last year. I didn't get it. But just getting one of them, maybe it works better. Like Larry said, it, yeah. after and then they got Kane and Tarasenko. I was like, well, what are they going to do now? They play 13 forward? Like, how are they going to – it just – I don't know. I didn't – yeah, the, You know, the, the power play rotation be, be, became yeah. chaotic. Like they were always tr- – they, they were trying to be fair to all of these players. Yeah, be fair and, to and the ones that got you there. Actually, you know, at one point they actually took Mika, took Mika off the first unit. <laughs> you know, it was – you know, because right. they were trying to – you know, they're – well, how can we get Kane more involved? How can we get Kane more involved? And, and the fact is – that again, I think it was everybody's best intentions, but but Patrick Kane gave what he had to give. I mean, he was right. he's you know he's physically damaged when mm-hmm. when he when he was playing last year, and so um, again, I, I I just and I know he's Tarasenko is a good player, and he solidified their top six in the month or so he was arranged working <laughs> yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know if they wind up with with. Tarasenko, I'm I'm okay with it, but it, it's again, I I I'd, I'd like something new. I, I would. I, I think that you know if, if they're going to go out and um, have to fill that right wing hole for the third straight year, and also and people are already and people have been talking about let's bring Vitrano back, you know, and who yeah, has I saw another that. year on his deal at three point five, um, which doesn't Good make value. Any, but it's it's good value you know, though. This fondness for these guys, um, and and you know, Vitrano played well, but it's, you know, it's nostalgic, not, it's not like, Larry. It's what's nostalgic. that? It's nostalgic. Oh, hey, <laughs> I love Frankie V. Yeah, yeah. he's okay. been great too this season. And he's been awesome. And like their penalty kill with him and Henrique is like dangerous. Every time I watch them, they have two on ones and they should score. They they've been awesome. Well, you but know, you, you mentioned Henrique, not knowing the future of, of Philip Heedle. And I, I believe Henry is on, on the final year of his deal, right? I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Five um, he would be a guy I would, I would look at if, if, if they're looking for a center, if Heedle is not able to come back or if, you know, right. if, if there's an issue with Heedle down the line, well, that's somebody I'd be interested in. If he scored an over against the devils, imagine if he scored no versus the devils, it'd be fun to think about. <laughs> he scored an overtime against the devils. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Look, here's my here's my quick thing on it though. Like, you got to be careful, especially with a team that's rolling so well that has worked so hard to get there, and saying, "Great job, guys! Now you go rest, sit in the back seat, because this shiny new toy we're going to bring in, and we're going to force feed him, 
minutes and power play time. Right. Because even though we're at the top of the league, this guy we think is better than oh, you. I, and it's, yeah. they could, you know, you got to be careful not to fracture the room and fracture an ego, which happens. We all have them as players. Uh, the guys seem to be really a really tight group, which is really hard to do. It's harder than people think. And which is why, like, I love talking about my old teams because I was so lucky to have so many that were so tight. That's it's, you can't fake it and it's hard to get. So I, you don't I, want to wrestle. I under, yeah, I understand that. And, and, um, but I, but I also think you, you, and, and again, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm, this is, this is speculation that Philip Heedle is, is not coming back yeah. as Philip Heedle. And at the deadline, they're going to be looking for somebody. I'm not talking about totally. in, in two or three weeks or, you know, in a month. But, but you also have to fact, you know, I do think you have to factor chemistry, but you also have to take a look and say, do we think we can win 16 playoff games if Nick Benino is our third line center? Yeah. You know, if, if we, you know, again, you know, I, I think there's a balance there. And, and oh, I agree. That's, let know, me clarify. So, like, you want right. to give the guys every opportunity. Yeah. And at the risk of that, like, so that's, that's the balance and that's the, uh, the, you know, that's kind of the risk, but totally. I mean, there's playoff years where I'm like, who are we getting? Because we need one more piece. Right. And everyone understands that. So it's, you know, Drew will read the room. He'll he'll do what he thinks best. But I always, well, I always worry you, about that. Did you, what did you, what did you make of the deal when they got San Luis? Did you think you needed him? I mean, and, and I know there were, there was contract stuff going on with Cal. That's what made sense um, to us. You know, there, there was contract stuff going on with him, but did you think, and there was there was a perception then that the Rangers needed a scoring winger. They needed yeah. a scoring winger, but did you did you think that you needed that? I think it was how it was going down in the months leading up to it with Cali. Getting somebody was going to happen. If it was going to happen, if Cali, I didn't really think Cali was going to get traded, yeah. But then when it was him, it was like, well, we worked so hard to get goals. Like our leading scorer was Zagrello mm-hmm. with 61 points on a first place team or whatever. We were not a first place team. But second half of the year, we were lighting it up. Yeah. And on a cup final team, we didn't have, we didn't score. And then we got Marty who did not score until the playoffs. Right. <laughs> he, I mean, that's just because of the guy he didn't want to, he wanted to come in, play well, but not ruffle any feathers. Right. And it was at that point where like, we already got you. We lost our captain. Now you're the guy you have to take over. And he started to, but we knew that that was going to help us. And just being around him was exciting for us. It it took the sting away from losing Cali just a little bit because that really that really did like that was a that locker room was like a funeral parlor when now we heard that he was getting dealt. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can imagine. I will say that I do think that to your point, Brian, about you know room chemistry and things like that. I one hundred percent think that's. A, a factor to be considered. And I do think that Chris Jury has taken that into consideration the last couple of seasons. If you look at the guys that he's brought in, Andrew Kopp, best friends with Jacob Truba in college, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, Patrick Kane did have a connection with Artemi Panarin, you know, there, it wasn't like total strangers coming in. There were connections. So I do tip my cap to uh, Chris Jury. I do feel like that's some, and I feel like because he's a former player, he sees that too, for sure. 
hundred percent. Even Frankie, Frankie played with Truba program too yep. when they brought mm-hmm. him. In. We're not trying to rock the boat here. We're not trying to you know steer the ship off. We're we're looking good essentially. So uh, we'll we'll keep things going that way, and of course we'll keep looking forward to the future on the next episode of the podcast. Larry, appreciate you coming on today. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Okay. We'll go home, get some rest, and, and get ready for next. And that'll put a bow on episode 135 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. But as always, we've got to dish out some stars before we get out of here. Brian, who's your number one star of the week? I got Gustafson just, and I know he's not, he didn't play a whole bunch last game. I just like what he did when he stepped in uh, after the hit and got in a fight. I think that is showing, you know, his coaches and his teammates that I know Fox is back and my role will change back to where it was a little bit. Uh, But I am fully invested in this team. And I I love things like that. I love little moments like that where guys are fully invested and they're showing you that I'll step in here and risk injury to do what's right that's like you said glue guys that's 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 yeah, a very important glue guy for this ranger team uh my number two star is going to go to artemi panarin had the hattie the other night at the garden it wasn't like the hat trick that was scored on steve alicata as we spoke about in the last episode on uh uh, Detroit Penguins or not Detroit, oh, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins hat night where there are 10,000 hats on the ice but kudos to you Ranger fans that did sacrifice your 35 40 50 new era cap and threw it on the ice to celebrate the bread man he's been off to a scorching start this year and um, you know obviously heart trophy candidate in the locker room I'm gonna go third star and you know what Brian I'm, I'm, I'm so throw us out there I'm, I'm gonna go it's, it's uh, Barkley Goodrow's tooth lost it last night oh, in Ottawa it's, it, there's, there's a great JPEG of it if you, if you want to see it on the New York Post website uh you ever lose any teeth out there on the ice like that brian or i mean i'm sure you, you, you you've had to had something go wrong for you. yeah a few of them broken half with cross checks and high sticks and whatnot it's poor guy's gonna be in the chair for a long time today he'll be in the dentist chair for hours that's not fun like i said before you guys are you, you hockey players crazy the way she goes. As she goes. Well, we're going to go now. Uh, you can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Big your Podcasts. If you're watching us right now on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, give us a thumbs up below. Comment below. Did you ever lose a tooth like that, like Barkley did, or you know, any sort of way? Hopefully not. That just sounds painful. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, Bri Browse, 22, and myself, Andrew Hartz, no E. For Brian Boyle, Larry Brooks, Molly Walker, I'm Andrew Hartz. We're back next week for another episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. As always, up at Blue Seats, have a happy and healthy day, week, holiday season. We'll talk to you then. Later.